from Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. A woman was there who had been disabled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and couldn't stand up straight. And when he saw her, Jesus called to her, called him, call her to him and said, Woman, you are set free from your sickness. He placed his hands on her, and she straightened up at once and praised God. The synagogue leader, incensed that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, responded, There are six days during which work is permitted. Come and be healed on those, those days, not on the Sabbath day. The Lord replied, Play actors! Don't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from its stall and lead it out to get a drink? Then isn't it necessary that this woman, a daughter of Abraham, bound by Satan for 18 long years, be set free from her bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said these things, all his opponents were put to shame. But all those in the crowd rejoiced at all the extraordinary things he was doing. Our second reading from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 29. You haven't drawn near to something that can be touched. A burning fire, darkness, shadow, a whirlwind, a blast of a trumpet, and a sound of words that made the ones who heard it beg that there wouldn't be one more word. They couldn't stand the command. If even a wild animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so frightening that Moses said, I'm terrified and I'm shaking. But you have drawn near to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem, to countless angels in a festival gathering, to the assembly of God's firstborn children who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous who have been made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better than Abel's blood. See to it that you don't resist the one who is speaking. If the people didn't escape when they refused to listen to the one who warned them on earth, how will we escape if we reject the one who was warning from heaven? His voice shook the earth from then, but now he was made a promise. Still once more I will shake not only the earth, but heaven also. The words, still once more, reveal the removal of what is shaken, the things that are part of this creation, so that what isn't shaken will remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken, let's continue to express our gratitude. And with this gratitude, let's serve, let's worship in a way that is pleasing to God with respect and awe. Because our God really is a consuming fire. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word that comes to us. And even in the images that are rich and deep and even scary, we know that you are speaking your word of truth, your hope, and your grace to us through those words. That your word meets us by those voices from long ago, those prophets and people who committed themselves Help us to commit ourselves now to receive the word 
as you would have us receive it. I ask that you speak through me in spite of me, that we hear you in spite of ourselves. And Lord, may all that is received, may it be pleasing and acceptable in your sight and in your sight alone. You alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So the flip side of justice is our series we've been working on, and uh, this is our third and final week, justice being understanding what it is when things are not just. They are not equal. We've used the image of the haves way up here and the have-nots way down here, and that God's image has always been everybody has everything they need on equal footing. No one rules over anyone else. Is that our reality? No. No, it's not. We're not there yet. Will it be our reality one day? Yes, it will. The God, the judge of all, some will rejoice at that judgment and others will be like the synagogue leader and not be too thrilled by it. Where are we? So we're walking through the series using John Wesley's three general rules, which are wonderful rules. They are do no harm, do good, And today it's stay in love with God, or Wesley's way to say it, attend to all the ordinances of God. So do no harm, living obediently. We talked about Isaiah highlighting to the church of Israel. They didn't call themselves the church, but you know know what I mean. To the people of Israel saying, look, when you're in the temple, you praise God and you give your sacrifices and that's great. But what do you do outside of the temple? Because that's where you also worship or serve The words worship and serve are the same word in our scripture. So how do you serve and worship outside of the walls? And we challenged ourselves, do we do harm outside of these walls? And then last week was do good, running faithfully, comparing our walk of faith to cross-country running. It's painful at times. It is very rewarding. It uh, requires a lot of discipline and patience, but it's taking us somewhere, and it's best done in a group And we have faith that all the heroes and heroines of our past ran that race and we run it still with them because it's taking the world somewhere that's already been promised and already achieved through the cross. And we're in that time of the beginning of the achievement, but not the fulfillment. And so today, stay in love with God. It's important to do no harm. It's crucial to do good, but we need to stay in love with God. That brings us to our Hebrews passage Uh, A very strange passage with two images. So we have Mount Sinai, which is described, which is thunder and burning and darkness and gloom and a tempest or a storm, a whirlwind. And then there's scary sounds, a trumpet uh, and uh, something too intense that that they, they can't stand to hear it. They ask God to stop speaking. And Moses even is terrified. That's Mount Sinai. You want to stand at that mountain? Anybody? No, if you do, we'll talk about your sanity later. Then there's Mount Zion, city of God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the place where the angels gather by the thousands and thousands and thousands to worship and praise along with God, along with the firstborn, all the people of the past who have run the race and been brought to perfection with us. And there we are in the presence of Jesus with the blood of Jesus upon the altar, a much better blood. And Hebrews has spent 11 chapters walking through a lot of these elements, so I encourage you to go and read all 11 chapters, and you'll understand what a lot of these elements mean. But he says, we have come 
to this place. We have drawn near, and the word is worship. We come, we worship this place, which is really hard. In the church of Hebrews, they were still stuck on this image, that the law gave them what they needed, that if they just followed the rules, then their soul would find life. Isn't it terrifying? Is it terrifying to you that the fate of our soul might rely on our ability to follow rules? It terrifies me. I am no saint. I'll be the first to admit. But over here, the fate of our soul in Mount Zion relies on the grace of Jesus and the sacrifice he made. And we get to celebrate a festival versus terror. I think it's pretty easy to know where we want to be. Now, the Hebrews author is addressing the church of his or her day because they have been neglecting the things that God asked them to do. So there is this grace, but there's also these things that we need to do, these ordinances, as Wesley calls them. And they have been neglecting them. They've been building their life on anything other than a solid rock foundation of Jesus Christ. They have been ignoring the poor and vulnerable around them and even among them, and they are on the verge of completely losing their faith to give their allegiance and devotion to something or someone else. We can relate to this today, 2,000 years later. Can I get an amen? Now, they're on the verge of collapse because if you don't build on a solid foundation, you are destined to collapse. You're destined for destruction. It's pretty clear. So when they come to worship with their hearts right, though, and this is what the Hebrews author is pleading, come to worship with your heart right. Come to Mount Zion. See, Moses gave the commands and they, were, they, couldn't, they rejected it. So who's giving the commands in our Mount Zion today? The Holy Spirit. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is speaking to us now. Will we reject that voice? That's the seriousness of all of this. Now, the image of earth and heaven being one reality, shaking comes from Haggai. And in Haggai, it was just the earth that was going to shake and all the nations that had built themselves on a foundation that wasn't of God were going to be shaken to the ground and destroyed. And the fact that Israel would remain shows that Israel was built on the right thing. And so that's Haggai uses this image. Well, the Hebrews writer takes heaven and earth, or more or less to say, all of creation will be shaken. And everything, anything, everyone, anyone who is not built upon God will be shaken loose from its foundation. It was destined to fail anyway. So, any life that you've built for yourself, your family life, your structure, your goals, your dreams, how your community is structured, how your nation is structured, how you organize clubs and things that you're a part of away from this room. What do you build things upon that don't bear the name Christian, like church or Bible study? Are you always building your foundations upon God? Well, it's going to be shaken. Now, is this a good thing? Yes. Yes, it is. To those who know that God has got them. In the day of the Hebrew letter, it was Rome who seemed unshakable, who was crushing Judaism and was crushing the Christians. It was Rome that was the superpower 
that expanded its borders with the sword, was taking over the earth and bringing peace and hailing its leader, son of God, Caesar is Lord. How do you, as a little tiny church, wherever the Hebrews church was, how do you walk into the world amidst something like Rome? You could easily be crushed by that fear. But they weren't. We see in Revelation 21 chapters detailing the fall of Rome and any other empire like it that doesn't found itself upon God because only God is unshakable. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And what is unshakable is the presence of God, which is the flip side of justice, the other side to the same coin. Do you remember what it is? Joy. Living justly brings us the right kind of joy. The joy that wants the shaking, even though we know we're going to lose a lot of what we're about because we know that what will remain will be God's. Don't we want this? Do our lives reflect our devotion and our allegiance and our worship of the unshakable joy of God? Are we building our lives upon this unshakable foundation or something else? Are we approaching God as if God is Mount Sinai and we can earn our salvation? Or, or do we allow ourselves to be drawn into the beauty of Mount Zion, which is about something else entirely? Do we live by an unshakable joy? Now, on Sundays, yeah, right? I mean, we've got a great group of people here. I went to a Christian rock festival called Ichthus, I think when I was 15. Um, and I remember the shock of being amidst a group of 10, 20,000 people who were Christians, it's different than the halls of my high school. I saw someone running and they fell and I, could, I knew it was going to happen. Everyone was going to laugh and point and make fun of them. But no, what happened at Ichthus is a bunch of people flocked around them, picked them up, dusted them off, gave them hugs and on they went. And it struck me and how easy it was to be good around a group of people who wanted to be good. So Sunday mornings are easy, yes? We're good. We have the unshakable joy. What about Mondays? Monday morning, you got to get up and go to work or get on the bus. What about when you're sitting in traffic and you realize there's an accident that's happened and now you're going to be 20, 30, 40 minutes late to wherever it was you were hoping to be? Do you have unshakable joy? What about when you went to Meijer and all the shelves were rearranged, you can't find anything? Some of you have been there and have seen it happen. Did you have unshakable joy or were you muttering under your breath? Is that all it takes to shake you? What about when the vote didn't go your way? What about when your franchise quarterback retires two weeks before the season starts? Are we unshakable? The Colts may not be right now, but they'll figure it out. What about when IU wins? Are we unshakable? What about when Purdue wins? No. What about in all seriousness, what about when the darker moments in life descend upon us. When we hear the diagnosis, when we hear the word cancer or terminal, do we have unshakable joy? It doesn't mean we're happy. It's not what joy is. Joy means we are fixed upon the future that is in, assured to us and we allow that to dictate how we live and breathe and move. What about when there's yet another shooting and a child says, how many this time? Because it's become a norm. Or when the fires rage in the Amazon and no one even knows. Are we concerned with God's justice all the time? 
or only when we feel the pain of the injustice? Are we living with our eyes and our ears open, looking around to perceive the injustices around us beyond these walls, beyond our homes, beyond or even within our own borders? Are you unshakable in the Holy Spirit? Easy on Sundays, but can it all come done, come undone in minutes? John and Charles Wesley, they learned incredible discipline from their mother, Susanna. May not know Susanna, but she is really the foundation of, of where we are today because she built John and Charles in such an incredible way, and her life story is amazing. Uh, she taught her boys to be serious about their discipline and look at the fruit it produced because they chose to do that. Wesley's three general rules, do no harm, do good, stay in love with God, and in parentheses, God's justice we do this, John Wesley says, we stay in love with God by attending upon all the ordinances, and he lists them as such, participating in public worship, reading or sharing the word, regularly taking Holy Communion, praying with family and praying privately, searching the scriptures, Fasting or abstaining from certain foods regularly. Lauren's taking a class. We learned that Charles Wesley would fast before he would even try to write a hymn, the many hundreds of hymns that he's written. He took it seriously. He wanted to be in the right frame of mind before he put the pen to the page. Wesley, the brothers, they were serious because they understood that the Holy Spirit only works, only shakes as much as you'll let it for now. There will be a day when it will shake you whether you want it to or not. And we are invited to let it shake us now. And like we are called to attend to God's justice, we are called to attend to our souls. So we should do no harm to our souls. If you're participating in something, if you're engaging in anything, conversation, media, that's not nurturing your soul, then it's harming your soul and we should stop. And then in place of the things that we'll have to cut out, we want to bring good things in to nurture our souls, like the ordinances. And we should engage in a full and loving relationship with God. We will, through these means of grace, through these ordinances, through worship and word and communion and scripture and prayer and fasting, this can feel like heavy lifting. Does anybody feel like this is kind of heavy lifting to do all of these disciplines? Yes, it is, but... We can find it a lot easier when we have our focus in the right place. It's hard. I want to focus on me. Anybody else, with, anybody else want to focus on yourself? Let's confess. God already knows, right? Let's confess. We want to focus on ourselves. I want to focus on my family. I want to focus on my community and my nation and my group of people. And we fight that constantly. So we have to be disciplined to allow our world to begin to be shaken. The truth is that the way of Jesus, he says, gives us a yoke that is kind and a burden that is light. The shaking brings us into completion. We are to live now as if Zion already exists because it does. So how do we do this? It takes time. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. If it's happened overnight, it's probably not real and it's probably going to fail you at some point. It takes time. First, we set out to be shaken, to pursue the unshakable joy of God. And then 
we run that race for all the difficulties it brings. We find a community to run with, and then we attend to the disciplines. Now, like a seed planted, as Jesus says in the soil, we can tend to it, we can water it, but we can't control the rain, we can't control the sun, we can't make it grow. Only the Holy Spirit does that. So some help. I'm going to go on with some more of our questions. Remember Wesley's 22 questions that they would, he would uh, answer every day with his group, his club, his class. So I'm going to give you questions 10 through 15 of the 22. Are you ready? Pretend you've got to answer these out loud right now. You don't, but pretend. Am I enjoying prayer? Do I give the Bible time to speak to me every day? Do I get to bed on time and get up on time? Do I insist upon doing something about which my conscience is uneasy? Am I defeated in any part of my life? Number 15, is Christ real to me? All 22 questions are available, by the way, if you want them. There's some there and some in the back. And I invite you to take them home and go through them once a day, even if you just read them. Maybe eventually you'll actually answer them to yourself. And then if you're feeling really courageous, you'll find an accountability partner to ask the questions with and share honest answers. And then watch the Spirit do its work. The Hebrew writer leaves us with the image that God is a consuming fire this fire of the Holy Spirit shakes us and consumes all which doesn't belong because God is a faithful judge. We walk into that fire with our heads held high, with our eyes fixed on Zion. But we cannot hide from the fire. The fire will work within our souls to purify and perfect us. The Holy Spirit ignites your souls in an unshakable joy which God allows us so that we can keep our eyes fixed on the way of Jesus Christ. And when we truly give our hearts and give everything of ourselves over to it, we enter into the path of perfection. We have to hold nothing back. We have to hold nothing back. Give God full control of everything. Trust that our lives will be shaken, but in a way that will lead us to life. Any other way other than God's is temporary and destined to fall if it hasn't already. Are you tired of the floor falling out from underneath you? Are you tired of chasing the temporary and shakable things of this world? Turn to Jesus Christ. Receive the Holy Spirit. Be guided into the way of justice and grace as God defines them, into the way of an unshakable joy in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, shake us up. Help us to utter those words and mean it and then not get scared when it happens because you lead us to life. We encounter the dark valleys and you are with us and you lead us to green pastures, to life-giving waters because you are our God, our shepherd. And I thank you that you are committed to us even when we resist you. Help us to let go of all that stands in our way and help us to fully claim Jesus in Jesus' way that we may enter into relationship and stay in love with you. Amen. Amen.